Hello, welcome to the Impact of Mindset. My name is Julia Trask. I am super excited to have you here listening to this episode. The Impact of Mindset is a podcast specifically for people to understand what it's really like overcoming those mindset hurdles that we have. When we share our stories with people, we can normalize what our challenges are and we can really learn about how to overcome them. And I think by sharing our stories, we really discover that we're not alone in what we're going through. So I'm really excited to be able to share the stories of individual people with you, um, what they do in their work as business owners and entrepreneurs, and to be able to support you in going through your own mindset hurdles and challenges that you may face, but also to help you celebrate your wins to celebrate your successes and to celebrate that wonderful peace and confidence that you gain when you choose to become that better version of yourself day in, day out. So thank you very much for listening and I hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, this Australia Day episode is a special bonus. I know that typically the bonuses go out on a Monday, but it's Australia Day, man, and I'm Australian, and I'm proud to be Australian, and so I thought I'd come in here and talk to one of the marketing campaigns that I've been hearing around the place, which is that we all have a story, we're all part of that Australian story, and it's all different, and I think it was really important for me to share a bonus episode on this because... When Australia Day comes, a lot of people have a bit of a mixed emotions. They're very excited that, that it's Australia Day. They're very proud to be Aussie. But then there's also that mixed emotions of are we doing the right thing by Indigenous Australians? Um, and also people who are not Indigenous Australians going, you know what, but I don't want to feel guilty for my own heritage. And so instead of talking about all of that and the complexities that are there, I just want to share my story and my heritage as part of being one speck in the overall Australian story. So if I was born in 1986, whew, can't believe I said that live, <laughs> on, on something you can play back over and over again. But anyway... Um, so I was born in 1986 to a father who's Australian and a mother who's British. My mother is what we call a 10 pound pom. So for those of you that don't know, there was a migration, uh, immigration policy that helped create a greater population in Australia. And my mother was part of that. Her and her family and her brothers, they were, they were living in England because they were, of course, English. And they were offered an opportunity to move to Australia for £10 per adult, basically. That's how I understand it. And so given the fact that my grandfather was a qualified man with a lot of skills and a lot to offer, it was an opportunity of a lifetime for them to come somewhere different. But at the time, I think what's important is for people to recognise, and I've often thought about this, there was that likelihood that they would never return to England again. And for my grandparents, they never did. 
And so my mum came out on the Arcadia. Um, she had, I think she said, a five-week-long trip from England to Australia. She landed in, in and around Sydney area. And then she had quite the nomadic lifestyle with my grandparents. And I essentially knew when I became someone who, you know, could get passports and wanted to travel and all that kind of stuff, that half of me was British. And I always had grandparents who would tell me about England. And, you know, when Australia played England in the cricket, even though they had lived in England for longer than they had lived in, lived in Australia for longer than they'd lived in England by this point, they were staunch English people. Um, my grandfather was so hilariously English. He would sing the English national anthem over the top of the Australian when Australia was playing England. Like it was just classic pomp. <laughs> but it made me laugh because it was his quirks. He was so, um, he was so proudly British. And I knew that there was a lot of history, um, English and then also Irish as well, further down, um, that connected me to, I guess, the motherland, if you want to call it like that. But even for my mum, she didn't really have memories much of the UK because she was so little. She was only two when she came out here. But there's a lot of people that I found that are my age, so early 30s and even those that are in their 20s, they have no idea about what the 10 pound pom was and that it really was quite a remarkable opportunity for people to pay what what's about 20 bucks to move themselves and their families to the other side of the world for a new life and I think thinking about that is an incredible sense of perspective some people didn't have great lives in the UK and so moving to Australia was a fresh start. I didn't find out until my grandmother passed that her side of the family was not the greatest experience. Like from her, her childhood was not the greatest experience from her. And that's why, for her, that's why she was quite a hard woman. And so I could imagine how much excitement she would have had for a new, brighter future in that being Australia much like people who come here now as refugees or migrants you know um, or even asylum seekers you know would be hoping for that same thing you know to move from families where you know you're terribly poor and struggling and needing to pickpocket and all that kind of stuff historically to get by, to eat, to then being able to live in and around the Sydney area. And when I lived in Sydney in 2019, my mum actually took me to a place where they lived and um, particularly to a house in which her and her brothers grew up in, um, which you had to catch a, a boat from um, Circular Quay. And I thought it was really incredible. There's all this history and it was like a piece of the puzzle of my mum's life I did not quite understand. And so 
I wanted to share this because I think people don't know about the 10 pound pom. I also think sometimes we lose sight of what people in England needed to escape from, even some very English things. But also, as I said, because it's part of my story. Now, when I moved to the UK for the first time on Christmas Eve 2011, it was a cheaper plane ticket. I was a savvy traveller even for my first time travelling. Um, I got there and I didn't really understand like how would I how would I experience this life what would it be like would I pick up that there is any level of Britishness to me and I was really inquisitive about what that might look like or sound like or feel like or and then what I noticed was language patterns that was the first thing I noticed was language patterns my grandparents had always spoken and ended their sentences in questions so they'd say oh you know it's a great day yeah (laughs) and I'm like well yeah we know it's a great day but we don't really need to ask it like it's a question and as I was listening to people talk um you know to each other because you do a lot of listening when you move to another country and you don't know anyone I started to realize that this was a pattern of language and Then I started to listen more to the way that I spoke as well and recognised that it was something that I did also. And that was the first glimpse that I had of any level of Britishness, I suppose. But it wasn't until 2015 and after one of my uncles had done some digging, or one of my uncle's or my uncle's wife, my goodness, did some digging into our family history on my mum's side, did we learn that there was still family that lived around Manchester when my mum was first born and where she grew up for the first couple of years of her life. And so we dived into who could we connect with again. And I ended up meeting, cut a long story short, I ended up meeting my extended family. I met a cousin Mel. Um, I met another cousin, Pete. I met who two people who I affectionately called Auntie Enid and Uncle Dave. Now, they are not my direct aunties or uncles. In fact, they are like, I think, great uncles or great, great uncles. But it was a very weird and opportune time to, to meet them because before I had moved back to the UK for the second time, I had sadly lost my grandfather. And one of the greatest memories or that I have with him was sharing about different places that we had been to in the UK. And he could tell me what platform he was in. He had an amazing memory, even till the very end. What platform he was in at what time and roughly when the train timetables were um, out of... Paddington Station for example and we could we knew that there was certain points in time though like 60 70 years apart where we were at the exact same train station waiting for the same train going to the same place and we had these amazing memories we shared about places where 
we had both traveled to and what our experiences were like. And for a man who had a brain aneurysm at at 50, I think, and was told he'd only live for another 10 years after that to then pass away well into his 80s, he had no possibility of ever returning back to the UK. So to be able to share these memories, like we're walking them together, just generations apart, was a really beautiful gift that travel got, gave me and also sharing that, that culture and that history with each other gave me as well. But it also taught me about how not much in England had changed in a sense. You know, he talked about a lot of people really struggling financially then and how, you know, tough times were because of the pay. And I was like, yeah, well, we're decades on and things haven't really changed in terms of basic wages for people in England, unfortunately. And so there were so many shared memories. Anyway, I digress. He had recent, my my grandfather had recently passed when I met my uncle Dave and my auntie Enid. And I was sitting in their um, sitting room, if you like, or their lounge room, as we call it in Australia. And they were just talking, having a normal conversation. And I could not get over the fact that my uncle Dave's mannerisms were exactly the same as my grandfather's. It freaked me out. So I just said to him, like, I'm sorry, I just need to gather myself. I'm just going to step out for a minute or come back in. And when I came back in, they asked me, like, are you okay? And I was like, I'm really sorry, but I know granddad passed a while ago, but the way you move your hands and the way that you have certain facial expressions and even the the way in which you talk is my grandfather. It freaks me out. <laughs> and so we then had a bit of a chat about that and we got to, um, I guess, have a chinwag and talk about the differences, the things that have changed over time. And since then, we are now six years on, there's been this wonderful relationship with people that we would have otherwise disconnected with. And so I wanted to share that because I think there are so many families, doesn't matter what background they're from, for one reason or another, they disconnect and they lose part of their own Australian story, if you like. Because for me, I have that story and then I also have this incredible story of my my grandmother, who was uh, my dad's mum, she had Scottish heritage and her mum was this insane businesswoman who travelled. She got in the newspapers for being so independent and bold and brave, for owning land as one of the very few women in in, um, uh, in her time that did own land in Australia as well. And it was just incredible to know that that was some history that kind of seemed like it skipped a few generations to being a story that I hear about now where I'm so in love with travel and I'm so in love with business and independency and investing and all that kind of stuff, that that was part of history as well that I would not have known unless I asked the question about culture. And I think everyone has their own story that has lost part of the meaning because we aren't asking those questions about what happened in our family Who are these people? Can we connect with them? Can we reach out to them? 
And for me, that's really added a lot of value to my life by really answering those questions and trying to find out. Now, obviously, for some people, it's not always going to work. You know, there are things that I learned by reconnecting with my family. And one of those things is that on one side of my family, there have been petty arguments that have kept my family from being a family for years. And unfortunately, we can see that. And many of us within in the family that have reconnected can see that that's a generational issue. But it's by knowing that this is a generational issue that we can see why there has been stops in the the British story, I suppose, and why there has been a disconnect for people that left England and went to other countries as well. Because like the Trask side of the family, like the Taylor side of the family and the Elliot part of the family as well, people didn't all stay in England or, or Scotland or Ireland, you know. People came to Australia, people came to America, people travelled to a variety of different places and those connections were lost when they were not maintained. And so I thought it would be really cool to share about that and to encourage you to find out what your Australian story is. I am not Indigenous. I don't know what the stolen generation feels like. But I do know what it is like to know that there is a history within your family and you don't actually know what it is. And that that history has a very real chance of being lost unless somebody captures it. And this was made really apparent to me when my grandmother, my dad's mum, passed away. She was in her 90s, an incredible woman. I can't describe her inner strength enough just seriously strong woman, sometimes to her detriment, to be fair. But she was writing a memoir. She decided she wanted to write a memoir. And I remember saying to her one point in time, I'd really love to sit down with you and help you get this memoir out. And she was being strong and stubborn as she was at times. (laughs) Not too keen on that idea because that idea for her was vulnerability And I understand that. That's a common thing for a lot of people. However, some of the things that are written in a memoir, because she didn't finish it, some of the things that are written in a memoir tell of stories that I've never heard of before. There are stories written in her memoir, and hopefully I get my hands on it soon enough to read it all, that tell of when getting the milk delivered on a horse and cart when she was a little girl was the most exciting time for the week these amazing stories that are hidden in our older generations of people, we need to know those stories. We need to know that history. We need to have that shared. I would have loved to be able to have every piece of my grandmother's memoir written down. And I would have loved to have that with my grandfather as well. But what I did get was lots of stories and sharing with him. And like I said, lots of memories and time where we knew we were in the same place at the same time. And that was beautiful. And so I just want to encourage you this Australia Day to not focus on what we don't have. Um, Maybe not 
we're not focusing on the reconciliation that hasn't happened across different cultures, but focus on the reconciliation in your own family. In my family, things needed to be reconciled. There are still things, as I say this podcast right now, that need to be reconciled across an extended family over petty crap, over things that at, at the crux of it don't matter. And there is a massive great beauty of this reconnecting, of this reconciling in other parts of our family where we could just let that go and focus on what's important is that we have that family. We don't have all this lost history. And so I encourage you to embrace it and reconcile your family. When you reconcile your family and focus on that relationship matters more than whatever else happened, I think that will help in reconciling a nation. And maybe that sounds incredibly corny, but I honestly think that's a major part to it because I think it doesn't matter what culture, race, religion you are, if you can't reconcile with people that are closest to you, we cannot reconcile a nation. We cannot reconcile across cultures, across religions, across genders. We just can't do it. So let's start in our own backyard. How Aussie is that, huh? Let's start in our own backyard. And I, I'm proud to say now that, you know, for whatever what people might think about British people, um, and I'll make this slight dig- digression in a minute, I'm really proud to be English and Australian. And I never before I got to know the rest of my family properly in person did I acknowledge the fact that I was English and Australian. And that seems really weird because my mum was born in Manchester. She came out here when she was two as a 10 pound bomb, as I said, but I did not consider myself to be English. It was when I met my family and realised they are part of me and I'm part of them that that really gave me a sense of my heritage other than just being something that I can get a passport for (laughs) that helps me to travel, you know, and helps me to live in the UK whenever I want. It really became something that meant some sort of significance. And I think that's a reality for everybody. Until you connect with and reconcile properly, it's not a reality that 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 means anything to you significantly. And when we're really self-aware, we understand that there's a hollowness to, okay, I'm British and I'm Australian, but what does that actually mean? And I think there's some hollowness to some even Indigenous Australians because there's that meaning that's lost. And that's why that reconciliation in our own backyard is really important first. And it's going to be different for each and every individual person. And speaking of what I was going to talk about before, where I digressed a little bit, When you learn your culture, I learned a really significant lesson for me. And as I travel different countries across Europe, for example, I learned that countries all want to hold their inappropriate history, if you like, as something that they didn't do. They don't want to necessarily acknowledge it. And some countries are actually pretty good at saying, hey, yeah, we did do this and we're not okay about it. And I think that makes them far more forward thinking and far more um, responsible and accountable and easier to have alliances with because I guess you say they've got their big pants on, (laughs) a bit more grown up. (laughs) 
But in that travel, and even travelling around Australia, I acknowledge I can acknowledge the fact that Australia didn't own up to some things that we've done. And I know modern day things, we don't own up to some of those things too. And England certainly hasn't as well. And so in finding out the cultural heritage, I could pretend like there are great things about being Australian and being British and that there are no negatives, but that would be lying. And it's the same for every person from every country and culture and race and religion in the world. Exactly the same. The thing is, is you've got to get to a point where you can become okay with it. So for me, I had to accept, you know what? I love being English. I'm proud to be British. But I also have to acknowledge the fact that 85% of the world was colonised by the British and that was not a peaceful thing. Does that mean I hate the culture that I'm a part of? No. Does that mean I denounce it? No. It just means that I'm aware of it and I'm focused on how I can play my part in being better and that's the reconciliation part. Just like with our own individual self-awareness, we can't have a cultural awareness or that brings us to reconciliation when we do not acknowledge where we fall down. And if everyone's very open and transparent and honest about that, everyone sucks at something. Everyone's not done the greatest things. So it's not about one person being responsible. It's about everybody being responsible and focusing, needing to come back again to what I was saying before about the focus on being that relationships are more important than whatever went down, whatever that argument was, no matter how painful it is. And I'm actually recording this as, as a really significant point in time because yesterday was Martin Luther King Day and I remember reading a quote where he was talking about love is the only thing that's going to help people come together and I 100% believe that. There is a lot of difference, but there's a lot of sameness, if you like, amongst people. And when we really care about those relationships, we identify with the sameness. And we focus on those relationships and we forget that that ego and that argument that we have to keep a hold of. And so I guess if we want to be politically correct on a day like Australia Day or any other national day of a country in the world then be politically correct on how we are so much the same even though we are different Um, as opposed to trying to make everybody the same when they're not I hope you really enjoyed this podcast I really hope you have an amazing Australia Day and that you will celebrate all the wonderful things about being Aussie. And if you're not Australian, don't worry. We know you're jealous about being Aussie. We're pretty laid back bunch. We're a little bit inappropriate sometimes, let's be real, but we're a heck of a lot of fun. So whether you're listening to this overseas and you've seen, you know, an Australian whack their arm and get caught in between the doors of a tube train and you're thinking, what a jackass, or whether you're in the US and you think that we're British, but we're not... Embrace us. We'll have a laugh with you. Um, we'll probably want to eat some 
sausages or lamb. We'll have a joke. We'll probably say some slang that you won't understand like thong or sausage sizzle or bogan. Um, And we'll always have a crack at you. We'll always have a go at making a laugh with you because life is meant to be enjoyed. And I love that about us. Thanks for listening. Ciao. Thank you very much for listening to this episode. Before you go, I want to let you know about an amazing resource that I've been using for about a year now. It's called the HPX Planner by Brendan Bouchard. The HPX Planner is an amazing planner that really allows you to be able to connect with who you are at the beginning of the day, set your intentions, make sure you're really in tune with what your values are and that you know what's happening in your day, but also at the end of your day, you reflect on whether or not you stay true to yourself. I think it's so incredibly important that we do this. Once you set your intentions, you work through your day and you reflect on, did you actually follow through? You become so much more accountable to yourself. You recognize that from one day to the next, you can be far more congruent with who you are and you become so much more happy with your life because you you know you're living life on your terms. So this planner was something that I absolutely love. I've told so many people about because there's no other planner out there. In fact, I initially wanted to create a planner to sell within my business, but then I found the HPX planner and there was literally nothing else that I wanted to use. So if you want a planner that's going to really cover everything for you, make sure you stay true to yourself have a space for you to be able to record what's most important for you throughout the day, all your appointments, your schedules, your meetings, and your goals, the HBEX plan is for you. So if you want to go and find out about where to purchase your own, just go to www.magneticconfidence.com.au forward slash podcast, and you can pick up one of your own HBEX planners today. You will absolutely love it.